Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of the Marketing Matters podcast from BSA Marketing. And I've entitled this one, You Have Two Ears and One Mouth. And the reason I've done that is because I started life back in the mists of time as a salesman. And it was my first job out of university and it started with uh, two or three weeks of sales training. And I remember one of the things that the, uh, one of the sales trainers said to us when, they, when we were talking about interacting with customers was this thing, you have two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. And it's something that sort of, this is what, 30 odd years later, it, it really stuck with me. And I think what he was basically trying to say was selling isn't about actually about selling. It's about understanding what your customers actually want and then working on that. And so we thought that would be a, a good subject for the podcast. But I've realized I've completely missed my introduction. I haven't introduced I David. We haven't told you the weather. did wonder what was <laughs> yeah, going so, on. Uh, I was just so keen to get into it. So I'll just, I will come back to that in a minute. I shall just rewind a minute and say, hello, David. <laughs> Hello, and not only is this Season 2, Episode 25, it is the final session of Season 2. It I is. I think we'll be on to Season 3 after Christmas. And I if think, we make it that far. If we make it that far. And I think part of the reasons we I was trying to ignore the weather is it's just so horrible at the moment. It's been raining for about the last, I don't know how long, and it says apparently it's going to be nice tomorrow, but uh, it's going to go, uh, go back off again after that. Well, I think we have to have these more... Um, unpleasant days to appreciate the nice days yeah that's true and we did get a very nice summer which i think we're now paying for but yes so anyway back to the podcast and back to the subject so yeah as as i was saying that that thing from back in my sales training days is struck a chord recently with some of the interactions we've had with some of our suppliers and it just made us sort of start to think about how actually how few people use this this principle of understanding what your customers needs are when they're they're looking to find a solution for them and I know it is a bugbear of yours, so David, I shall just put my so- your soapbox down on the floor and let you step onto it and tell us what you think about this subject. Well, I, I, I think it's very simple, really. There are, there are two types of businesses. There are businesses where you are essentially selling a commodity, where the purchaser knows exactly what they're buying, and fundamentally, it's about availability and price. And you don't really need to do it. If you've got the product and you've got it at the right price, people will buy it because they know what, what it is and they will be satisfied with their purchase because they know what they're buying. But I think for most people and particularly for most SME businesses, they're not in the commodity market. They're in the service market where there is, a, even if you're selling a thing or things, there is an element of you are providing some expertise, some knowledge to help your customers make sure that they are going to get what they want and that they look to you for advice. Yeah, and I think particularly in these days of big online sellers and big corporations, if you're a smaller business who's looking to find a niche, you can't compete on price very often. So it is always about finding that edge. And that edge is very regularly going to be your expertise. Yeah, and I th- but I think that the, there is a danger that when if if you put your sales your salesperson hat on squarely, that there is a a fixation on I my role is to achieve the sale rather than my role is to engage with my customer and uh, yeah. do do business with those customers that is actually mutually beneficial. I think y- you want to have a win win, and I think that is it me just getting old and more fuddy-duddy but 
I think that that idea is getting lost. Mm. Not fuddy-duddy, but grumpy. I'm, yeah. defi- I'm definitely getting old and grumpy, and I'm quite <laughs> enjoying it. But nonetheless, I think that that idea of wanting to do good for other people, and sure, make sure you do some good for yourself in the mix as well, but yeah. that's sort of getting lost. Yeah, and I, and I do think, I mean, I said when I wrote the introduction to this, I said I was a, a bad salesman, and back in my time, and David David corrected me and said he, he, he thought I probably wasn't, and I think he's probably right, I probably wasn't a bad salesman, but it was the fact that the focus was very much on, as you said, the sale and getting that next deal. And actually, I was in medical sales, which was actually, when I look back at it, is all about relationships. So actually, if I'd been allowed to do what I'm perhaps better at and build those relationships with people, I'd have probably quite enjoyed it. But that wasn't the focus. And I think that's sort of what you're saying there is actually in smaller businesses where you have that expertise and that knowledge, it should be part when you're looking in at building relationships with your customers, it should be a key part of it. It's not just about getting that next sale, because actually, if you build the relationships and you're good at what you do, the sale will come. Yeah, but I think that the part of the problem is that a lot of people take you back in the day in your when you were a callow youth. That yeah, in my the problem very sharp is, suit and big. I did have one of those, you know, the flight box bags. Yeah. That, I did have one of those pilot but, bags. But if we're saying it's about providing advice based on expertise and experience, the problem is you don't have any. Mm. And yet, you, and so it's easy to say I can. I can measure your performance on the on the spreadsheet of how many orders you've got and what the value of them yeah. is. But but actually, you say I didn't have it. I think even in that situation, in comparison to my customers, I did because I knew my, the products I was selling better than they did and what they would do and and how they could meet there. And that you know, I'd been trained. I'd had my three week sales training course, and I, you know, they'd they'd fed me with all the the reasons why these things were beneficial to customers. So I think even when you're in a you know you don't have 30 years experience you do because you are a specialist in the product that you're selling or the service that you're selling you do still have expertise that is useful to your customers i I think yeah i I grant you can you can be trained on the the, the features and benefits or whatever of your product but i think what is more difficult and is actually key is having the ability to be able to put yourself in your customer's shoes and kind of try and see it from their Mm. point of view and have a mixture where you can combine your knowledge of, of your products or your services and, and how they, they operate with an understanding of what the customer's needs are. Because I think certainly in, in our world, you get many, many instances where, to be perfectly honest, the customer doesn't really know what they, they think they know what they want. But actually, you know that if you leave them a, a, with that mindset, ultimately, they're going to be disappointed because they don't realize that what they think they want isn't actually what they want. Yeah, And also, there is also the danger that they think they know what they want and you think you know what they want. And so you end up not talking to each other and actually finding out what they actually want and what you can and you know and and this this thing about maybe what they want think they want is not what they want and just the idea of having a conversation where they can benefit from your expertise to actually identify what the best solution is for for their issue because whether they know what they might think they know what they want but actually they do know what what issue they're trying to solve and what their ultimate objective is now the issue might be is how to actually solve that and hopefully your expertise will help them to solve that problem yeah i think this is sounding very convoluted but, <laughs> very, but, but I th- maybe, I think, maybe we should use an example maybe because well, we, we've had we've had a few recently yeah but i i just before we look onto that i i think it is about i do believe it comes back to having the confidence to challenge a, as a salesperson to challenge a customer mm. 
And the, the problem with if you're challenging a customer, then you're effectively almost reverse selling to them. If, if you just keep feeding what they think they mm. need, then it's, it's perhaps a quicker and more, in, in principle, more logical route to get them to say yes to buy something. Whereas if you're saying, are you sure you really want that? Don't, that don't you think you really mean this? You're, you're running a risk that they're going to turn around and say, oh, yeah, you're right. No, I don't want what you're offering. But it's having that confidence, looking at things in the bigger picture that I think actually produces the better long-term relationships, which yeah. comes back to your, your idea of relationships. Yeah. And, and I think there is also a danger that when you're looking at buying something or taking on a, a new supplier, very often the fixation does come down to the price. You know, if I, we, I was talking about some examples. If I was, look at, we had some new boilers fitted here recently uh, and I was responsible for, or I was involved in the process of sort of choosing who to do it. And there's no doubt that a lot of the conversations turned out to, they gave me a price, I sort of, and it came to that sort of negotiation, can we get it at the best price? And actually... That, on one level, was the wrong discussion because it should be about, well, actually, what are you trying to achieve? What's the best price for, you know, the most cost-effective way of doing that? And that conversation was never really entered into. And partly it was maybe my fault for not asking the right questions, equally their fault for not asking the right questions. But there is that danger that when you're looking at getting a quote for something, it is described, can I have a quote for something, that it does tend to come down to the bottom line and the price, and rather than what's the right solution and what's the most cost-effective way of delivering that. But, but the, the fact is that we, we went ahead on a particular quote, yeah. and then it turns out that the job that they did wasn't what was on the quote anyway. It was, because I mean, of when they uh, got here, they discovered that, you know, that it wasn't practical to do what they want. You know, yeah. There were lots of good reasons for it, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. But then, actually, what they did was a simpler solution than they'd proposed and quoted for. And a simpler solution, you would think, would mean that the, the cost would come down. But remarkably, when we came to pay the bill, there were other reasons yeah. why the cost didn't come down. And it, it just, again, I guess... Ultimately, we've got new boilers, we're warm and, and we're, we're, we're comfortable with what we've paid for them. But there's no question that lack of clarity did sour the whole it did a little, uh, yeah. the, the whole process somewhat. And, and I think it also meant that we ended up with, as you say, we've, we've, we've solved the problem. We've, we've got new boilers, they work, we're warm. But we've maybe missed an opportunity to get more out of it because we, ha- we had that situation where we had the focus of an expert and there wasn't that level of engagement that, allowed us to sort of look at the bigger picture maybe but I think it also then raises the other question you say we had the focus of an expert but just how much knowledge did they really have were we pushing the boundaries of their knowledge (laughs) I did end up having to wire up all the controls for them because they didn't really know what they were doing and and I think you know and, and we've had two or three I don't know whether we've just been unlucky but two or three instances recently when we've had work done and people who on the face of it are perfectly competent it turns out that they're I guess like all of us we only know what we know mm. and they find themselves struggling to deliver because they don't actually know what they're doing and I think particularly in what were effectively very traditional markets whether it be heating engineers the other example was sort of alarm fitting as they become more and more technological and advanced and intelligent for that better word this the expertise shifts and actually the ability to fit a boiler and keep you warm becomes 
not the the, the expertise. There's the ten a penny people who can do that, but actually the people who know the have the expertise in the broader stuff around controls and making them efficient, and that's where the real value comes from. And I think there is that question about how much because it tends to be in terms of the whole job a relatively small part of it. Do companies realise the benefit that they're giving from that and look at developing the expertise in these what may be seen as peripheral areas? Yeah, and I think interestingly, in in both both of those cases that we're talking about, it was the fact that we were wanting to install systems that had much more sophisticated control and remote access technologies, which are are not traditional in either of those fields, but are absolutely central to the way the world is going now and it is i mean it, the, the heating one was great because we now have a situation where we can switch our christmas we have a christmas tree on the front of the the building and we can switch that off remotely with an app because it happens to be into the same system that the the heating system's in and i think these it is becoming more and more these traditional disciplines are becoming more and more complex and i think so the expertise required to implement them effectively is becoming greater so there's huge opportunities for suppliers to engage that and embrace it and deliver that expertise to their customers and when you can do that the the cost of it becomes less you know you spend less time talking about the cost and more time talking about the value well, I, I think you know we, we've sort of moved off the two ears one mouth which yeah. i think is, is really where we were coming from but i think it, it, to bring it back to that it really does work that if you have the confidence to discuss with a, a mm. customer and try and develop a specification that you are both quite clear on and is going to really deliver deliver a good good result obviously at a price that you're you're comfortable with as, as well you've not it doesn't have to be done on the cheap it has to be done on the right yeah and i think that if you can do that and that might mean that as a supplier you do need to keep evolving your knowledge and make sure it's up to date but that if you can do that then actually you can build really good strong relationships with customers and whether that means that you get a lot of repeat business for them from them which there's, there's often opportunities for that or alternatively you they become advocates for your business so that they'll refer you to others which is a another very powerful mm. um, route to getting business then the whole the concept of i i believe the concept of really genuinely and honestly engaging with your customers is central to developing a good and satisfying yeah. satisfying business and and i think it is uh, you mentioned there about the conversation and it it is a two-way street you know i'm not in in the circum the ones we've mentioned i'm not saying it's the fault of the the supplier they should have asked us all these questions one it is about being willing to engage in a dialogue and uh, and talk to each other and understand collectively what the the issues are and how collectively you can solve them at the best value. Yeah, and 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 then I think it's there is a, an important aspect of it as being ready to have a clear and written specification. Mm. I mean that sounds a bit grand, but I think it doesn't have to be complicated. But I think it's it's valuable to to clarify right. exactly what the key points are. Yeah, but, you put, you, you put the big the detailed specification and then they utter those three words halfway through the project. Can we just? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course you can just. But th- that again, that's if me as a customer, I decide I want to change the specification. If we're yeah. clear what the specification was, if you as a supplier want to come back to me and say, yes, we can do that. 
and I can do it, yeah. and it's not going to impact on the the cost, or it is going to impact on the cost. Then yeah, that's and, fine. and by having a detailed specification for exactly what everybody's expecting, a clear well, rather than detailed expectation, a clear yeah. understanding. Yeah, everybody having a clear understanding of what is expected and what is going to be delivered. As you say, then if the Camry just comes along, it can quite easily be discussed further and saying, well, actually, that's going to have a cost. Yeah. Is the, does it give the value? And, 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 it, and that you get into this awkward situation that if, you, if it's a bit woolly as to what's yeah. happening, then a supplier will look at it one way, a customer will look at it another. And if there are any changes, then there is the question of, well, were those changes actually in the spec in the first place yeah. or not? Because nobody really knows because yeah. it's not written, it's not set yeah. out anywhere and i think as, as we start to draw to a close i think it's important to recognize we talked started at the beginning about talking about how it shouldn't all be about price and the fact of taking this sort of approach it does take time and more importantly it takes the time of experts and that all has a cost so i think it's important can, can i just say it, it has a value as well it has a value it has a value yes absolutely but i think you shouldn't be afraid to, talk, to charge for it and going back to one of our recent podcasts about be willing put it into your marketing the fact that this is part of the 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 package that you offer you know make shout about it and make sure people know about that so when it comes to talking about the price that's part of the deal and the fact as you say that it's not about necessarily the price it's about the value and you know ultimately yeah if you want it cheap maybe you're not the right person people to be going to but or, or if you want a business that prides itself on selling things at the lowest possible price yeah that is that's a perfectly legitimate business proposition but inevitably there are elements that you're not going to be delivering that somebody who is charging more and can put more time into it and put more knowledge into it are going to be offering yeah so well i think we'll sort of uh, start to round it up there because looking at the time we're always trying to keep it under 20 minutes so i think hopefully that's given you some some sort of food for thought and as always when we finish these podcasts we try and give you some sort of ideas that you can think about and some some sort of thoughts uh, going forward so on this subject david what would your sort of takeaways be well i think that and not fish and chips i presume uh, no, not this time <laughs> but there is a new fish and chip shop just down the road which apparently is very nice but anyway that I think whether as a, as a customer or, or a supplier, have a clear and preferably written specification. I know I talk a lot about planning and the value of having mm. a proper plan, but I think having a clear specification doesn't have to be complicated, but it should specify what is going to be delivered and obviously the price. And recently, the number of times we've had, well, I'll, I'll call it a quote from somebody, but it's just a, a vague description in an email with a three lines with a price at the bottom or a number at the bottom and I don't think it ever is really satisfactory so I think make sure you have a clear written specification doesn't need to be long but it just it needs to be set out exactly what's being delivered and what the expectations are yeah and I think the other thing is I would say is take the time when you're talking about a new project with an existing customer or when you're starting to build relationships with a new customer take the time to understand what they're trying to achieve and understand how and help them to understand how your expertise might be able to help them deliver that and and just yeah take time to do that and to build that relationship because in the long term time that will definitely um, pay values and I think the other thing I would say is even if you think you understand what your customers are trying to achieve then still ask the question because very often you might be surprised yeah and have the confidence to acknowledge the limitations of your knowledge yeah. some sometimes people what people want is people that they can trust people they have confidence in 
and sometimes actually saying, well, I don't know that, but I can find it out or I'll mm. check and come back to you or what have you, can actually be a great way of instilling confidence rather than Absolutely. just saying, yes, 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 I can do it, I can do it. And yeah. in your own mind, you're thinking, crikey, I haven't got a clue what I'm off, yeah. I'm uh, uh, committing to here. Yeah, and definitely understanding your and realizing the people you're dealing with accept their limitations can give you much more confidence when they say they can do something because you know they will only say it if, if they actually can. So I think that's a good place to leave it. So uh, we will say uh, goodbye and goodbye from season two and goodbye from 2020 and really just leaves us to uh, wish everybody uh, a Merry Christmas. And all I can say is let's, if we're saying forward to 2020, let's hope it's a, a less socially distanced 2021. I think so. So yes, <laughs> happy Christmas and have a great break, everybody. And if you want to find out any of this, if you want, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be back in, in January, so maybe a, a two or three weeks week's break in the meantime you'll find our back catalogue of podcasts many of which talk uh, around similar subjects to today on podcast.bsamarketing.com you'll find our posts on bsamarketing.com and on social media at bsamarketing.com twitter and linkedin and on that post keep an eye out on our social media for our now infamous christmas quiz and i've just had a look at the questions this week this year's is pretty challenging (laughs) I haven't looked at it yet. (laughs) So uh, goodbye, uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, see you in 2021. Bye for now, everybody.